Hey, homie, I'm getting tired of dudes just getting over on the rasa. This is for the rasa. This is the reality dysfunction. Dan Sosa, Saginaw, Michigan. Alex Lozada, East Coast. Carlos Hernandez, coming from San Anto, Texas. Reiner Delgado, uh, soon to be coming from Lansing, Michigan. Francisco Lopez from the West Coast. And this is Ernesto Morales coming at you straight out of the mountain bunkers of Prescott, Arizona. What up? If white supremacists secede, will POC follow? Is this the moment? Is this is this the big Aslan moment right now? The November twenty twenty election? I don't know. What do you guys think? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, all you Aslanistas out there, speak up, speak up. Don't be shy. When you're talking about seceding. You're talking about state seceding, right? Uh, I mean, uh, and when you're talking about civil war, I mean, when I think of the American Civil War. I think about something that happened largely because there was a real geographic um, line yeah. that allowed for there to be a civil war, I guess, more easily. You know, the Mason-Dixon line, whatever. Mm -hmm. but, I mean, look up north here. I mean, they were going to kidnap the governor here in Michigan. OK, that's how hardcore the white supremacist groups are here. They blew up the Oklahoma City building. OK, it's I don't see it. I don't see a clear geographic line. I think that would lead to a civil war, but I think that there'll be at least some, some occurrences of violence after the election, because you know, no matter what happens, it's going to go to court and there's going to be people with some strong feelings about the results either way and the legitimacy of those results either way. So you thought there will be like violence and unrest in general on the streets, regardless if it's Biden or Trump who win the election? Yeah, uh, I think so. I think if Biden wins, some of the Trump supporters are going to I think they're going to act out. Yeah, in, terms of violence in certain areas. Yeah. yeah. Damn militia is no joke. My mom was talking about it the other day. Yeah. I, I think going on that, I think the the succession conversation we can get into that in, in depth later but i'll say this just off the bat first observation is poc in general better be i don't want to say better be prepared but we better understand yeah be prepared because there's probably going to be some kind of violence it might ripple up here it might ripple different ways but there'll be some violence if the trump if the trump people win they're going to be like, yeah, we got another four years. We got away with all this bullshit before. Let's like really go for it. You know, let's continue with it. Uh, so they're going to be emboldened if they win. If they lose, they're going to be all pissed off because it was rigged and this and that. And so they're going to be resentful. And there's a, so either way you cut it, uh, our communities are going to be looking at some kind of, you know, action, uh, lose or win. So on, yeah. on that sense, I'm thinking like, man, just be prepared. Yeah, that's what we've been talking about with, like, our family. I know I've been talking to my, you know, kind of jokingly of, like, you know, if things happen, do we move? You know, like, if, if especially, like, my sister, we've had this conversation of, like, if Trump wins, then we're going on full-on fascism. Like, no question, I totally agree with her because the amount of things that 
he has done in order to get us to a point where authoritarianism and the attacking of citizens is okay. Especially like, you know, the quote of like, authoritarianism is when the the ways of controlling the colony come to the homeland. And I think that's very clearly happened. And so like, we've talked about it of like, okay, do we move? Do we not? Like, what do we do? Especially because we live in a predominantly white neighborhood in a predominantly white city. Like, is it, and we are like relatively well known within our neighborhood and within our city. Like, is it safe for us to then continue to stay if, you know, a new state is formed with a white supremacist, like, you know, ideology backing it up. So where would you move to? So people talk about moving, like where would you move to? And, and I, am, so, I feel like I need to have my go bags ready, right? <laughs> so my, I'm preaching my kids, I'm not joking. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, so my sister, we have uh, some family friends that live in New Zealand. And so my sister's all for New Zealand. I'm more for Australia because um, there's less, there's more space in Australia than there is in New Zealand. So there's less of a chance of us displacing any Aboriginal people. Um, but like we have friends there, you know, and we have the means to. And so that's more of the thing. And like, my worry is that like, you know, I have friends like family that doesn't, that don't have the means to move. And I still want to protect them. I still want to be near them and, you know, we have a large sense of community and a sense of family within the Latinx community. So it's like, what what happens when only some of us can leave and what happens with only some of us can, you know, survive this next period if Trump does win. So I think that- Are you able to leave the country though? Are you able to go to those countries right now? Not right now, but you know, when there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, wow. You could go there from Mexico if if you could get into Mexico. I mean, this this is the thing, right? Is that, I mean, what, what these guys are like when they say civil war, right? I mean, they are, I mean, the act of civil war itself in some ways is a secession, you know, although I think that Danny's uh, initial assertion in all this is, is absolutely correct. I mean, if you have a land base, you know, like you can say, this is the part that's, you know, succeeding. The problem is, is that that would happen quickly. I think if there were actually like a very uh, serious effort towards violence, because, Like for those of you that are in California, I mean, sure, you may live in neighborhoods that are predominantly white, but the state itself is not predominantly white, right? And so when we talk about succession, um, I mean, sometimes succession isn't necessarily something that's even, uh, you know, um, like you do it because you want to do it. I mean, in a case like this, it could be forced that these, that you know, that there's a fracture between these um, these different. Uh, land bases, these different entities. So the thing is, is that we have all of these agreements right now with countries like, with a country like Mexico, where citizens can go back and forth with the the proper proper documentation. But if there were a fracturing of the United States, then we might not actually live in an area of the United States anymore that has an agreement like that, right? So there's there's a lot of things really that we're that we take for granted in a in a conversation like this, and one of them is just the the smoothness of the of the civil society that we currently inhabit. You know, so like a lot of what these guys are proposing is a total disruption of life. You know, as as we know it, right? I mean, it's a it's it's a serious thing. I mean, 
we think about it for a second, right? Like what they're saying is that there's going to be all this post-election violence. I mean, what what that means is that people will be like fighting each other, like shooting at each other, like killing each other, you know? Here's my question based off of that. Do we all think that we need to protect our families and arm ourselves? Is that what we're talking about? Yes. The most dangerous time in this coming election is going to be Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, after the election in the states that don't have a clear winner. Yep. Announced. And they're saying that there isn't going to be a clear winner for about two weeks yep. because of all the at mail-in ballots. At least the first week, which yeah. gives people, I mean, just human nature, it gives people's, uh, it gives, it gives them time to boil over, I guess is the best way to put it, I think. And as those tensions rise, you know, I think some of these supremacist groups, militia groups are going to get more and more heated and want to do something if they live in a state that's, you know, that doesn't have a winner. You know, they're going to cry fraud. They're going to storm buildings, demand to see ballots. I mean, that's, that's, I think, the time that you really need to be worried about. I mean, yeah, and, and, and you know, the orange face POS, you know, he's going to, you know, he's going to, right? he's going <laughs> to he's going to stoke it. I mean, he's going to oh, stoke yeah. it. He's yeah. going to stoke it. And throw gasoline right in the middle of it. And, yep. and every every election, even the even a smooth election, there's always some uh, inconsistencies, incongruity. I mean, that that's just inevitable. That happens in, in even the most smooth of election times. Uh, so you're gonna you, he's gonna have what are, are maybe legitimate mistakes here and there, one way or the other. That just can't be helped. But he's gonna pounce on those and just stoke it and stoke it and stoke it. And yeah, I think Danny's right. You're gonna see them storming ballot boxes and they're going to go with their guns and they're going to, you know, yeah. And he's just going to push it and push it. I mean, look, I, look what happened in Florida, right? When, when there was somewhat of a disputed state, a single state. Oh yeah. You know, Bush just moved forward. Like I'm the president. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he was measuring windows for curtains. He was moving forward. Like I'm president now. Gore fought a tiny bit and then he just totally backed off. Well, I think Does anybody think Donald Trump would do either one of those things? I mean, or, or would totally back off and not incite? I mean, yeah. I think there's a couple of things. One, I don't think that Biden will give up as easily as Gore did. I don't, I don't, I don't think so either. I don't think that that's that's true at all. I also Dan think- just want to be president his whole life. How many times has he run for president? Yeah. Not well, giving up. There's that. And I think that there is that. And I think that's really, I think that's key to like this, why he won't give up. But I think the other thing is, is that he really believes that there is a, um, and I think that he has good reason to believe this, that there is a um, significant portion of the population that is willing to act on his behalf for him to become president. And that goes, and I think that that means uh, beyond the ballot box, right? That there's people who will go out to the street who will uh, perform civil disobedience, who will attempt to shut down uh, business and commerce and and all these other things on his behalf, not because he's Joe Biden, but because he's not Donald Trump. The other thing is, and I think that this is also important to keep in mind too, right? Is that as a community, I mean, we are literally caught. This it's when they say civil war, right? They, when these white guys say civil war, they mean civil war with other white guys. 
because we're <laughs> we're not the ones they're talking about. We're literally caught in the middle of these two warring factions of white people, right? Who represent the settler colonial system in this country and who want to, you know, be in charge. I mean, you look at the Congress, you look at the House of Representatives, you look at the Senate, those are all white men that are fighting with each other, right? You look at the Supreme Court, those are all white men that are fighting with each other. Where does the, so where does that leave us? Cause I feel like we all have some skin in the game. Well, I'm not saying we don't have skin in the game, what I'm saying is that we have to figure out like where that does leave us, right? right. I, I think that's I think that's a, a pretty serious question, which I think is also that's why I started it right. the way I did. I mean, is this the is this the Aslan moment? You know what I'm saying? Like I wasn't trying to be funny. I'm like really like, what's up? You know, because these guys, these guys ain't they ain't they ain't fighting us. They they whooped our ass a long time ago. The question is, right? How how is it going to shake out between the two of them? between those two groups. Okay, so here's my, like, you know, what I would like to see is just like, let the white men fight it out. Let them have their like racist, whatever they want, settler state. Cause the US, like we're not the global hegemony. We haven't been since 9-11, like we are in a pluralistic system. And so if the people of color and if like the the people that want to see this huge change, the socialists, the communists, like right now, if they let the white men fight it out and lose their power fighting against each other, and we can take up this step and like move forward and be like taking control of the Congress, of the Senate, of whatever like new system we have, I think that'll be beneficial for the, for the most part. Cause like within the next, what, couple years, we're gonna be the majority minority, like, it, the United States is going to be a majority minority. And if we can take advantage of not only the population growth, but also this unnecessary infighting in order to create a state that's beneficial for all POC, like, why not? Let's do it. What I hear is uh, we should all be prepared, right? We should all go out and buy plenty of toilet paper, right? Uh, <laughs> right? You want to stock up on your uh, a couple bags of beans and tortillas, right? <laughs> and uh, we should hunker down for the, about those three days, three to five days, right, Danny? But I, I really see us as, uh, as some of that, some of those actions are already taking place. And I know here in California, and Catalina, you probably know this, um, there's already been, they put out some ballot boxes near churches, right, to collect. Uh, now, who's putting them out there and what's their purpose, right? Is it to really collect ballots and turn them in or is it to... Uh, sit through the ballots and decide which ones you turn in. There's also already been a, a ballot box that has been burned on yeah, purpose. Baldwin Park. Baldwin Park, right? Not too far from here. It, in a predominantly, you know, it, in a Latino neighborhood. But I was in Michigan two weeks ago. And one of the things that I noticed in Michigan right off the back was that in Lansing, now you had gun ranges right next to the mall, right in, you know, just like Walmart. Yeah, exactly. I know I would, that's exactly my thoughts. I was like, what? You, but you literally driving down the street in several parts of the city and there are gun ranges. You don't have to go out into the countryside, out of town anymore. You can literally, you know, this is something become a, a very uh, common activity. So that does tell me this is definitely serious. And what I hear you saying, Ernesto, is, that it's a it's a white on white 
issue? Is it this self-hate that's coming through now? A self-hate that we have exemplified many a times and now themselves are having to, they've, they've come to the situation where we have been, you know, where you have that smoking mirror in front of you and you lash out because you don't like what you see. Yeah. Carlos, were you gonna say something? Yeah, I was just gonna say like what Carolina was saying, but the, the problem I, I have, or I think the thing that we have to be aware of it, yeah, it, it mostly is on the larger scale, it's between them. But one part of them, or one part of that faction, got a real problem with us yeah well, that's true yeah like like part of what they're so upset about is the demographic change and they want to roll that back and they're going to roll it back through hook or crook man they're going to do it through a weaponizing immigration but they'll go back to doing it if it comes down to a shooting war they'll go back to their tried and true genocidal let's just kill them type mentality you know tactic they'll use both yeah so they got like, all the guns. They ain't got all the guns. <laughs> we, you know, yeah. we might save up to buy a new car or, mm -hmm. you know, some new uh, pair of tennis shoes or a new phone. They save up to buy the next gun. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Well, I, I can mean, tell you can only They can only use one or two. That's, that's the problem. That's so if they have we 10, you know, whatever. We, yeah. I think sometimes... Uh, people in general, but I think sometimes we POC, we don't like, we don't want to think about that because we know how bad it can get. Well, but man, I'm saying right now, we need to think about it. I mean, I'm not really, I'm not really a big believer in this whole um, intergenerational trauma, like the, like how it's like genetically passed on. I can see how it's like- There's science behind it. What do you mean you don't believe it? There's, There's science. I mean, yeah, that's what they said about eugenics too in the early- Yeah, like <laughs> science. <laughs> There's well, actually, science, like, yeah. Like, like, like black women, like, his, like you know, when they look at their genes and stuff, their telomeres, which is like your protector ends at the end of your DNA, the more that you experience racism, and so specifically for black women who experience racism, sexism, like todo, right? their telomeres go down faster. And so when you don't have, when you reach the end of your telomeres, you start breaking down your DNA. And so when you are 35 and have a kid and your telomeres are already broken down to your DNA, you're passing on that damaged DNA onto your children. And like going through slavery and all that kind of stuff. It's like, that that's how you get intergenerational trauma. Yeah, I mean- There is a, there is a little bit of, yeah, uh, epigen epi epi epigenetic uh, evidence. Like I said, I'm not a real big believer in it, but um, what I do see is, eh, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, what were we talking about? It's hard to prove that that was the cause of that, though. I mean, I, I'm kind of with you on that, Todd. I mean, uh, to say it's causality, though, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But they've yeah. done, like, tests and things. You know, it's not just, like... It's just extra stress, like any type of extra oh, yeah. stress. So you have to, so you have to find out, you have to find out what, what right, the stressors right, right. are. Just because you know, it's that's extra stress doesn't mean that's necessarily what's stressing you. I mean, there's other stressors. Okay, but what like, were we talking about? Not this. This was this was. I'm trying to remember what I what I was thinking. <laughs> I can't remember what I was thinking. Oh well. Anyways. Guns, arms. <laughs> I said, not a big believer in it. We were talking, Carlos was talking about the need for us to take this seriously. Oh, you know, I, I remember that. Thank you, Francisco. Yeah. What, what I was, what I was going to say was this, was that um, 
regardless of of all of that, like whether or not it's inherited or it's generational or, or anything like that, um, what we do know is that it's it's very well documented that you know Europeans are more than capable of committing these types of atrocities on a mass scale. That they've already done it on this um, on this continent uh, a number of times, and you know that there's literally no reason to believe that they won't do it again. And so I think mm-hmm. that that's I was yeah agreeing with what Carlos was saying. You know, so I think some of them, you know, I mean, in all honesty, man, I think they'd rather burn down the whole house than ever live in a society where they might not have complete power. You know, we're still stuck on though, like, where do we fit into all of this? And when I say we, we Latinos, right? So I want to hear what all of you are actually thinking with you and your families, like what are you guys all gonna do on the third, on the fourth, on the fifth, right, great? And in those days after, do you hole up in your house? Or are you going to somebody else's house? Like, do you have a plan B, a plan C? Like, how are you all thinking about, you know, like protecting you and yours and, and what is you and yours? I mean, where I live, I mean, this is the town that I live in is 98% white and it's 85% uh, militia people, right? So, I mean, the whole idea that there's any way to like protect yourself in this town is, I mean, it's ludicrous, right? I mean, the only the only way that we could protect ourselves is to leave here. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we'll be we'll be at home those those days. I think that that's the important thing to do. We're here. And I don't think this will happen, but if somebody tried to come into our house, you know, I mean, we have the the means to make it very clear that we don't want them here. I mean, what else can you do? Just stay home and keep your head down. I voted. So I already sent my ballot in. I don't have to go stand in line. Right. I'm going to go stand in line on Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. I'm going to do early voting on Sunday. What about you, Danny? What are you guys doing? We live at the end of a dead end street, uh, so I'll see anybody coming. <laughs> uh, but I'm just gonna take a few days off and um, kind of stay home, give give some people some rides to vote on Tuesday that need it, and um, and then kind of just stay away from work and only go where I need to go for a few days. Mm-hmm. Stay in contact hey. with my sister and and my nephews, my mom. Yeah, I agree with Danny. I think just staying at home is the number one best option you have for for yourself. And it, again, it all depends on where you live, too. Uh, uh, I don't foresee anything like that occurring here in my city. Um, but I think it's more important, you know, what do we do a month after that? You know, mm-hmm. because whether who wins or who loses, I don't see the situation getting that much better for us. I honestly do, you know. I, I don't I don't have faith in Trump. I don't have faith in Biden. But I, I don't see it. I, when I look at it, I start thinking about the violence. What's gonna happen when, once again, we have the Democrats in the office? And what happened when I think about m- me as a Mexican and I think of the, you know, my family in Mexico, I have to look at, well, what was the, what was the attitudes? Because I think that's kind of what it comes down to. Uh, when we look at the model that the United States has been following, 
which has been neoliberalism for the last 30 some years in which Mexico jumped on the bandwagon of neoliberalism, that ship is clearly going down. Yeah. And that means that, you know, this whole, you know, the worldwide interconnectedness is being shut down. And that's where the fragmentalism becomes to. And when I look at Mexico in particular, which I think has been in this situation already for some time, you could make, you could break Mexico down into three different sections already, the Southern, the Central and the Northern. Hmm. With the Northern, of course, being the most wealthy because it's the closest to the United States. So there in itself are US interests playing into it. Uh, the Central part, well, you, the Central is the most populated part. You have to deal with all those Mexicans. And the Southern becomes the resources. So I see the United States beginning to play a regional game. And again, Mexico is the backyard. And if you look at what has been happening in Mexico in the last 12 years in particularly, it all has been about energy. It has been about uh, creating energy, whether it's petroleum, uh, water energy. Now you have lithium in Sonora. And that's where the future is. So I see the U.S. becoming more hawk-eyed on this resources. And what is the impact that that's going to have? I, that, to me, I think is of a greater concern than what part of the militia. I think the militia, again, you know, they weren't going after, the, you know, Jesse Jackson. They weren't going over, you know, Al Sharpton. They were going over governor of Michigan, a white woman. Yeah. So that in itself to me tells me, yeah, you know what? Step back, let it play out. Uh, but yeah, in, in the meantime, uh, I'm going to get on, I got to get my sh shooting skills down, right? <laughs> well, I think we can all agree, right? That there's going to be a sizable number of people who will not accept the results of the, this election if Trump loses, right? Millions of people who will say, no, you didn't really lose, illegals voted, you know, Democrats. Right. There's gonna be millions of people who think that and believe that. What's the likelihood that at least some of those people act upon those beliefs? And that gives you, you know, I think it's a pretty significant risk. Yeah, I think so too. Like the thing going back to what my Nino said, it's just like, I think the idea of like resources is like huge. I mean, like, just like look what happened in Bolivia with their election. Like they had a US coup all for the fact of like wanting lithium for Elon Musk wanting lithium. And so it's like, I think, I don't necessarily think as someone who's like major is global studies and I'm studying like the effects of globalization. I don't think that's really gonna stop. I think regionalism and the idea of interconnectedness is going to continue. I probably think it's going to be under a new like hegemonic power, which will most likely be China and India, because the EU is falling apart. We're falling apart. Um, it doesn't look like any Latin American country is coming up into like a, being a huge part. And I think, yeah, I think regionalism is going to play a bigger part. And like if we're talking about succeeding, seceding and stuff like that, like you know, very glad I live in California because. 
California has the resources, it has the food, it has the energy, it has the dense population, like the rest of the United States. That's why we're having like some trouble with jobs and stuff like that. All the jobs, like we are a job based, like not job based, but we are a like intellectual job based economy because we get everything else from the outside. And so like California and very few other places have the resources to sustain themselves. And if California succeeds and becomes a like, you know, country or global power or whatever, like it'll be a lot easier for us to survive than in other places. Yeah. You know what, you, won't, you, know what you won't get? You won't get a pipeline. Yeah. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah. True. You no, it's succession. Water. Yeah, and succession has been an issue here in California for some some years now. I think they've talked into breaking it down into five different areas, right? Yep. I mean, with Orange County being one all by itself. Well, good luck, you know. I mean, Orange County can be by itself, anyways. Right. And <laughs> again, I think those are some ideas, but when we're talking about regions, you really need a a much larger area, right? A much larger area. Hey, so maybe what we need to do is we need to start a little compound, right? We all get together, pick a spot, <laughs> and we all start living together, right? <laughs> no, you that know? way they'll, they'll know where to come pick us all up at, bro. Yeah, yeah, I'm we're, good we're, on the compound. We build a couple. You don't want a fixed position, man. No fixed positions. Go. Yeah. Look, we can't we can't even take three carloads of people somewhere. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we Wait, all be- we need is three carloads of people. We'd be set with that. <laughs> yeah, and, then you get and a few Mexicanos few already live like that. You know, of- you got the so and so one block up and the other two blocks back. And, you know, we got the inner city compound. Right? Oh, okay. So then we should go to Montana, Idaho. Is that, is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> Did you guys yeah, live in the snow? Well, I don't know about to that. Talk all the women into having his children. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we already live in the snow over here. It's no big deal. It's what it's what's called frozen water. <laughs> no, I mean those are some very important topics when we talk about the future. I mean, living here out in semi-desert area, I don't know I can take it anymore. You know, another five degrees up, forget about it, right? Yeah. And, you know, again, coming back from Michigan, I'm just like, maybe this is the place to be. You know, you got water resource. It's all about the water, right? Isn't that what the next war is going to be about? But the water world. We can't, we can't <laughs> live without it. I mean, we can't. We can't live without water. We can live without oil, right? But we can't live without water. Not for very long. So it's going to be an issue. And I think the interesting thing is uh, the word Aslan hasn't come up in the discussion really yet or any mention of their anything in that regards so, i mean this this piece that seenly wrote uh the one that i sent you all and i'm yeah. gonna put a link to it in the um in the description for this segment this is the only thing that i've seen written about you know this uh this possibility which is one of, part of the reason why i sent it to you guys i mean because i mean if you, if you think about it right uh you know it's it's like i said earlier it's not necessarily about what we want I mean, there are forces that are moving all around us that um, mm-hmm. are much more organized and they're, they have a much clearer vision of what it is that they think should, should happen. And so, you know, the real question I think becomes is, you know, I mean, do we even think about it to the point that we have, you know, some sort of, we build some sort of ability within our own community to have this discussion or do we just, you know, simply once again, 
you know, be the acted upon instead of the actors, you know, and it's just, I mean, I'm not sure exactly what it is that you do. I think it goes back a lot to a lot of the conversations that we had, we've had in other podcasts about building political power, you know, I mean, even as we get down to the final wire of this election, I mean, what becomes even more apparent, it's like achingly apparent is that this has nothing to do with us. It's not about us. It's not. Yeah. This, this whole election is not for us. They're not after our votes. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I think you bring up an interesting point and I'm going to bring Ice Cube up. Is oh, that what gosh. we do? What Ice Cube does? You got to start going across the aisle. I mean, you're, you're, we, keep printing, we keep talking about the Democrats. Come on now. I think you got to reach out to everybody. I think, I think like Danny said it, I think it was like last week, a couple weeks ago, Danny said it like Trump is not just a regular Republican. It's not like the same game as before. This is like different level shit. And I don't think like how we say how the U.S. says we don't negotiate with terrorists. I'm like, I'm not going to negotiate with Trump. Trump is a terrorist. He's tearing apart this country piece by piece. Right. My man lives in Atlantic City. I've seen what Trump did to Atlantic City, right? And he's gonna take the US just like it's another casino and he's selling us off for parts. And this big fire sale that's happening and you can see some of the legislation happening right now in case he doesn't get reelected, it's really scary. And I, I think this is like different level shit than- But isn't that, isn't that the US model? Well- To, to me, what, I, what you just said, what you just mentioned was the US model. You yeah. go into a place, you break it apart, and you break it down. You take what you want. That's the U.S. model. That's why I'm like, why are we, why are we so surprised about that? That's where we live. That's how we. That's how the U.S. became the U.S. I'm not surprised by that. What I'm surprised is that is that as a community, we still haven't figured out how to have a conversation about about politics that doesn't start with just what what you just said. Like, well, this is you know, this is the way that it is. And, you know, so like even the whole idea of reaching across the aisle, I mean, yeah, I totally agree. I agree with that to a certain point. But what I think is even more important is that we have to like think about how we create a third aisle, right? So that we're not just reaching across the Democrats or Republicans, but we're like creating, we're disrupting the binary that exists within this, um, within this society, man. Politics isn't a binary. It should be a spectrum. Just like everything else, yeah. I agree, and I think that's what Ice Cube is doing. He's saying, hey, the black boat, who wants it? I don't that's, know if that's uh, what that, Ice Cube is doing, hey, bro. I'm, just, I'm willing to put it out there. Okay. I'm willing to put it out there because I just think, I, I really think that's what you need to do. I mean, when I look again at my vote, I know what Trump's gonna do with my vote. Yeah. What's Biden gonna do? I have no idea what Biden is, he hasn't told, said one thing, the uh, Democrats haven't said anything about uh, freeing the kids, right? Kids right. in cages. And when we look at it again, come on now, that's done. That started under Obama. Now, come on, we we, well, we really need to we need to have a bit of a of a uh, moment of truth. You know, it's a which, it's a moment which of truth. Part started under How much Obama? of that? The but separation they, of families. The, the separation no, of families. That's not true. The and case, then we got the jailing family started underneath. Okay. But I, the company I work for okay. um, works with refugees, right? Mm -hmm. So the only time a child was separated from their family under Obama was when 
there was reason to believe that that person was involved, the adult involved in human trafficking and the child. Families were never separated under Obama. I was in our Lansing office when the call came from the government, the federal government, when families were begun to be separated. And they called our agency and said, will you take 50 kids? And the program manager at the time, one of my colleagues, a white woman, had to make that call on the spot pretty much. Um, she had a few minutes to have a short discussion. And this woman had to make a decision that affected the lives of a couple hundred people because 50 kids, their families. And she made the decision, you know, based on some input from the people there um, because if we have the kids, we knew that we could keep them in contact and track down their family members, right? The reason it definitively was not done prior to Trump was because for every type of refugee or person crossing the border, there's a system in place. If you come as a child, you're considered what's called an unaccompanied refugee number, right? So what caused all this chaos and why there's all these hundreds of kids that can't be reunited is because there was no system in place. The, The call from Trump's people was separate these families to hurt them and discourage people from coming over here. Who okay, cares? I stand reunited. Who cares? You know. Yeah. So, no, I stand corrected. Right. right. You can right. definitely well, take you it. Take it word. You. You ain't. But here's what. Here's my other wrong point. though, Francis. You're not totally no, wrong. I, but here's my point. This is one of the things we kept saying under Obama. You're revving up the machine. Right. And once yeah. that machine gets right. going, right. it's a go. Yep. And yeah, and that's really bottom right. line. And I I tell you this from experience. My family was being deported when I was a kid. And I understand the pain, the hardship, the uncertainty that it brings. And, you know, that's what I'm saying. Democrats, they're no better because this all got going under Obama. And again, Biden has not come out and say, hey, the first day I'm going to, you know, end the separation of families. We're going to release all these people. It's part of the game plan. It's part of the game plan. So. I mean, we can, we, that's what I'm saying, but I stand corrected. No, here's right. my question. It's, you know what, it's, it's a small, you know, um, huh. what's the word I'm looking for? Delineation between the two things, you know, cause what Obama did was terrible. Um, Bush really just ignored immigration, you know, but it is, it, it is in my mind, I guess, a line, right? So I agree with what you're saying, the spirit about like crossing the aisle, da, 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 but I mean, you, I mean, you're not going to cross the aisle and talk to David Duke, okay? You're not going to cross the aisle and talk to uh, the Proud Boys, right? So when you Mitch say cross the, cross the aisle, I mean, what what exactly are you talking about? Are you talking about economic policy? I mean, what are, what issues are we talking about? Because there's some stuff. I mean, we're just never going really. To what I'm talking about is you put you put Democrats mm-hmm. on call. It's not about the Republicans. It's about the Democrats not taking your, our, our voices, our lives for granted, mm-hmm. because that's all it is. I mean, yeah. they haven't reached out to us. They, they've done a, a terrible, again, we come down to the basics of it. We should be talking about reelecting Bernie and we're, we're talking about not electing Trump. And again, that was a complete Democrat mishap 
where they, they chose, they made a choice to not listen, to not see the other. And I think that's what we're talking about, seeing the other. When you say crossing the aisle, you're not talking about crossing the aisle to talk to Republicans. I mean, are you also saying- I'm talking, talking to, to talk to everyone, to, to open the possibilities. I'm talking about yeah. by crossing to the other aisle, you open the possibilities. Right now, we keep saying, shut the door, shut the door, shut the door. Good luck with that one. And I think shutting the door on and Democrats as a whole is not a great idea, right? We have a, a good handful, right, of people within the Democratic Party who are great, right? Ayanna Presley, right? AOC, Jamal Bowman, right? How'd it go for them in the convention? How'd the convention go for them? Oh, I'm not saying. Right? No, that's what I'm saying. I'm just pointing out the... the I'm just Correct. pointing out the obvious. So, and there's an arm, I think, of the Democratic Democratic Party that's trying to fight against all of that, right? But I don't think the issue is, is like whether they're Democrat or Republican. Like when I'm looking at it and I'm thinking about it, it's all these white people, in particular white men, who don't want to give up their control, right? I'm going to put Chuck Schumer up there, Joe Biden, right? Steve Bannon, Mitch McConnell. Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi, yeah. We know this Nancy in California. Nancy Pelosi, Dianne Feinstein. Right? There you go, yeah. right? It's all those white people who have this, you know, oh, let me take care of these little brown kids, right? Let me help you, right? But on the reverse, it's like not in my backyard, right? So you can, when we talked about housing, right? That's what happened in California, right? So mm -hmm. it's these white people it's not necessarily Democrat or Republican, but it's these white people who want to continue their their stranglehold on on power, on control, Agreed. on controlling us. Right. So yeah. my question is then, if we have a system that doesn't work for us, that doesn't work for POCs in general, and we know that it was built on racist white supremacist values, and we're in a point of uncertainty that we don't know what's gonna happen next. We might just all fall apart, like, you know, within the next couple months. What's stopping us from taking over and having our own like coup of the state to make it beneficial for everyone, to make it beneficial for all Latinx folks, for black folks, for um, indigenous folks, like, you know, what's stopping us? And if we have this idea that they're already fighting with each other and that they don't wanna take, they don't wanna give up power, like, why can't we just take that power for ourselves in a moment where they are not even sure if they're gonna have power? Because there's not a consensus on enough of the issue. Right. It, well, well, I think fear. I think fear is a is a big part of this too. Fear is a huge part. I, I think part it's a big it. part of it. Right. It, there's. I think a lack of consensus, but the lack of consensus comes from a, a lack of of political mobilization and um and building power right because we spend all of our time building power for democrats or building power for republicans we don't actually have conversations about what it means to build power for our own community i'll tell you that like francisco you may have gotten some of the details of what you were saying wrong but you weren't wrong in what you were saying at all and and it mean i mean i know i've said this before i'll say it again because I, I turned my ballot in I voted for Joe Biden, but I swear to God, I swear to God, this is the last time that I will ever vote for a Democrat, that I will ever pass out literature for a Democrat, anything. And not because I think, not because I hate Democrats, but because it's time, we, we have to figure out ways to build legitimate political power. We have a lot of cultural power in this country. We do, as Latinos, as Chicanos, you know, whatever. We have a lot of cultural power. 
But we have to build the other side of that coin and that's political power, you know? And until we do that, we're not, we're not gonna be able, that's what's stopping us, Carolina. This is a great so question. So why not take the step now though? So now we're having the conversation, you know, we've been having the conversation, that's what this podcast is about. Why not take the step now? There's well, uncertainty, there's, there's, but there's a drive, not only within like, you know, a conversation like this, but within people living, like, you know, I have friends in LA, friends in Oakland who like don't, who have been and have community organizations that have been working to better their community for community fridges, for mutual aid, for, you know, todo quien sabe que. It's like, why not just take that global now or national? You know, all this movement has been going on in Portland, in LA, wherever, where people have been like, you know, in a constant state of crisis for a long time and we're in uncertainty. So let's just take the next step. Let's give ourselves the own push to to move forward. Because I like, you know, whatever, like if you want Aslan, you know, whatever kind of system we have next, like there's like we need to like just take charge and do it now. And like, you know, we just need to do it. That's my I guess that's my thing is like what's stopping us is ourselves, but we have to do it. We have to just take that step. I, I don't have a problem with what she's saying. No. I mean, I think I, you're exactly right. Uh, so which one of you guys? Which one of y'all want to get want my vote? <laughs> I write your name. <laughs> I would never pass a background check. They'd just be like, "You got to be kidding, me, right?" But I vote me. I'm too young. If she runs, if AMC, Ayanna Presley, I'm always going to vote for them. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think that people are doing that. Carolina, I mean, honestly, I, I can think of several efforts, but it, but even those efforts, I think as sincere that, as they are, right, they go back to, um, you know, what Danny said earlier about a lack of consensus. It also goes back to, you know, that, that I mean, like these things just don't happen, right? Like you, you have to build, I mean, there, there's a reason why white people are in charge, man. And it, it's not because they're smarter than us or braver than us or anything like that. But at least for the moment, they are more organized than we are. I mean, they they are more organized, you know, and they have managed to get the rest of us to agree that their law is the law that we're going to follow and that mm -hmm. their government is the government that we're going to to uh, be a part of. And so there's all of this right has to uh, come under scrutiny. I mean, it's a uh, the, the whole idea of of revolting. I'm not revolting. The whole idea of like creating these outside structures or even succession, like a, a large part of this conversation could have really been, I mean, is it even possible? I mean, really, I would actually say no, it's not possible for the Latino, the Chicano Latino community to secede from the United States. We would probably all starve to death because we're not, we're not prepared to govern. We're not prepared to rule, right? So thinking about how it is that we develop those abilities, right? And so, I mean, lots of times you hear people say in activist circles, oh, nobody's in charge here. Like, oh shit, nobody's in charge? <laughs> okay. Why do you have far more about. unity than we do? Far more unity than we do. And if you want yeah. to be real specific about it, Republicans have 10 times the unity that yeah. Democrats oh, do. Oh yeah, they do. Right, I, they, you know what? Republicans will put up with any piece of shit candidate that you put in front of them, Donald if Trump. they agree with the number enough issues um, that that they agree with. 
Yes. Well, look at all and the factions that you have on the Democratic side. And okay, I, I, you know, I never have called myself a Democrat. And I know the people in Portland and uh, in Black Lives Matters, a lot of them don't call themselves Democrats, right? But they vote Democrat, right? Almost all the time. So they're Democrats. If you vote Democrat, you're a Democrat. But look at, would you call any of those groups like Black Lives Matter? Do you think that they're really unified behind Joe Biden? Or the most conservative of, Dem of Democrats, the way that a moderate Republican is still going to vote for Donald Trump. I mean, you're talking two different ball games. You know, yeah. their unity puts puts Democratic the the unity on the Democratic side to shame. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so I cut off a little bit there just because my Wi-Fi has been weird. But I think like Ernesto, you've been saying about like this consensus and this consensus. Like, I don't ever think there's going to be consensus on what we should do, and we're no one's ever going to be like always on the same page of course. and I think you know yeah. our ideas of like who's a leader who can be a leader is very much shaped by the fact that like we are taught and grew up in a like western white supremacist colonial state and so I think we have to understand that like what we see as a leader can very much change very quickly and you know we can look at leaders throughout the world and you know have these different things we don't have to necessarily abide by the fact that like you know you have to be a leader according to like the un the imf the world bank stuff like that and so i don't know for me just going into the next thing of like not necessarily like having like a no leader space and stuff like that but i think like just i i just like feel like we just have to take a leap of faith and do it like the, you know fuck the consensus fuck having a ruler like this system isn't working for us and it's never going to work for us. So why not like in this moment of insanity, do our own thing. What does that mean? Do our own thing. I think the seven of us might be able and through a conversation, agree to what our own thing is. But I think once we leave the room, <laughs> our own thing becomes about a million different. But, answers, but, I, but I do, I do, I, I do agree with what I think are big portions of, or the sentiment of what she's saying yeah in the sense that like i think we all know i think what we're all saying what francisco was saying and danny what we're all saying is neither one of these damn parties work for us and right. they're not gonna work for us yeah exactly. like that's the bottom line i mean we can go on and on but we're basically saying the same thing like i mean the republicans that's a joke we already know that we don't even have to mention that all we get from the democrats is what what you would call finesse pimping I mean, they yeah. just finesse pimples. Yeah. That's all it is, yeah. you know? So right. either way, we're getting pimped. And so <laughs> you got to realize, we could look at that. And Carolina, you're right. Like, create, like, we still have to work within or, or as much as we can pragmatically and strategically. But at the same time, understand that we're, we're not going to find anything, any kind of liberation, any kind of dignity within these two parties. So... I mean, did I vote? Yeah, I voted. Ernesto probably the same way. Like I held my nose. I was, you know, I'm not a Democrat. At one point way back, I thought maybe I am, but I'm not. I never really have been. And, but I recognize that I'm going to work with this pragmatically, but we need to build alternatives. Like the, the time where we think we can find anything with both of these parties, come on, how many more signs do we need? It's obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that there are no alternatives that currently exist that speak to us to our needs to our community no i think there i think there are i think the problem is is that there's uh, um nobody's put it all together and nobody's made and said we're creating an alternative 
like we kind of like okie dokie we kind of hinted it we kind of flirt with it we kind of this but we don't ever put it out there and say we're creating alternatives to these parties we reject both of them we're going we want an alternative type of politic an alternative party alternative multiple parties why does a country as diverse and large as the united states only have two parties yeah that makes no damn sense when right. you look at the rest of the world and you look at what there's multiple parties and it's because people are i mean you can't do that that's by design man i mean that's by the, the, the democrats and republicans they play good cop bad cop that's all it is and whoever the good cop or the bad cop it depends on who you think you are yeah so but is the time not now like well the time the time is now now for what i mean that that's why i wasn't i wasn't trying to be funny earlier when i said that i wasn't sure how to respond to what you said i mean that was that was very sincere response on my part I think that in in trying to, you know, kind of get at what it is that you're saying, I think one of the things that's important to remember is that as a community, politically, we are in chaos, right? This conversation is a really good example. I mean, there is a certain high level of agreement among the people who are involved in this conversation, and yet it's still a fairly chaotic conversation, right? Within our community, there is total and complete chaos. So yes, I would say that the time is now, but the time is now to figure out how to organize the chaos, right? Because we're not organized for anything other than that, right? We have to have a conversation. We have to think of a way that builds a structure that allows us to um, to divest ourselves from the structure that we're already in. I mean, it isn't simply enough of bolting, right? People have to eat. People need to go to the doctors. Children need to be educated. Uh, streets need to be fixed, right? Uh, taxes need to be collected. I mean, all of these things are, are very real. You know, if you think that there are 60 million Latinos that live in this country, what if all 60 million of those people were forced to go live in a in a in an area of this country, right? I mean, all of those structures have to be put into place. This is what this is what I'm saying is that. When people attack ideas like statehood or nationalism or whatever, I think it's really because they don't understand them, right? This isn't about controlling people or excluding people. What it's about are building structures that allow people to survive because there's too many of us. You know, this isn't a village of 150. I mean, like we need structures that are put in place, which is why I love it when I see young Chicanos, Chicanos go into um, STEM you know, or go into city management or, you know, housing, any of those things, right? Because we need people in our community that understand how those things work. Oh, well, yeah. you know what? That's funny that you said that, Todd, because I've heard people say that since, you know, like the 90s, right? Like, why are all our kids studying sociology and literature? You know, they should be doctors. They should be things that a Chicano society would need to have to live without white folks. That's classic right. Apache Mais line of thinking. Exactly right who there, said right? that. The very yeah. I remember him saying that. Yep. Yes. Yep. Okay, but like at what point do we like say, yes, we want people to be like, you know, educated by university standards of STEM and doctors? And what point is it like practicality? Because there's a lot of people who know a lot of things and have never stepped foot in a university, but they've learned it through practicality. Like do we really need the university like system in order to educate ourselves? Right, especially when the university system is white. You don't need a a a degree to learn how to do midwifery, right? Midwifery. 
Midwifery. Yeah. Um, wow. It depends on what you want them educated for. When I was in my 20s, middle 20s or so, and going through my undergraduate degree, I mean, I was always like, why do people have to have a PhD to teach at a university, blah, 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 blah. But I can honestly say now that after having gone through a PhD program, I completely understand why people need a PhD to teach at a university. But you don't necessarily have to go to a university to do all these other things. I mean, most of the people in my family are carpenters and they're very good carpenters. Part of the reason that I'm not a carpenter is because I could never figure out how to read a fucking tape measure. If I had figured that out, then I probably wouldn't be here having this conversation right now. So it's it's all about skills, man, and, and all that other kind of stuff. A part of it is understanding political agendas is how we prioritize the different types of knowledge that we have, right? And so like right now, we're in a situation as a community where we're prioritizing this sort of like formalized education. Like these people are the smartest people, they're the leaders, they're this, they're all these other things because they're they're organized right as a class i just think like we've prioritized stem too much though like you know i was taught from a very young age you have to go into stem you need to learn science technology engineering mathematics like then later came steam with arts and i know like we've talked about it with my nino of like going like what you prioritize and so then you get to this university setting and you learn you know what it means to be a doctor an engineer and, you know, we've had the conversations of like having like learning code and being in like that kind of like, you know, app industry. But then you get there and the apps you make are racist, the algorithms you make are racist, you're treating people and it's racist. And it's like, okay, well, now, you know, my reaction is you have to put, you know, kind of push up against the we only want to teach our kids STEM because it's beneficial for the global capitalist society. We have to teach what kids about like sociology and everything else because you know that historical background, but like reading and all that kind of background that you get from having a rounded education of not just focusing on STEM, but focusing on everything allows you to treat people better, allows you to create non-racist algorithms, allows you to be a better person in society. And you have to unlearn some of the, the racist things that you were taught you know, and that only comes from having a rounded education system. And it's true. Our, our system's based on profit and everything that it's geared towards is to maximize those profits. And we clearly know that that is the one segment of the puzzle that's fragmented the humanity of it. So I, I think when I think about it, maybe that is where what we're supposed to be. Some of us supposed to have studied, right? I agree, you know, we could go back and retrospect and think about it. Maybe I would have been an engineer. I should have been an engineer, you know? I've always been good at building things. My father was great at building things, you know? But somewhere along, the way education comes to us, those skills are lost, right? Um, yeah, we might not be able to manage a city, but we'll help build you a hell of a bridge. We'll build you one. We're you know, gonna have of a building, right? We're gonna have people who can manage cities, right? I mean, we're gonna we're gonna have all those things. I mean, and most cities in Mexico, there ain't no planning, man. You just go for it. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's, that's what we need. Some more cities like that. <laughs> that's all we have for today. My name is Ernesto Morales, and on behalf of the dysfunctionals, I want to thank you all for listening. The mood in this country is tense. 
And there are people out there who are counting on the post-election violence that has been so heavily predicted. We encourage all of you to vote, and we encourage you all to get involved in Chicano Latino politics. Now is the time to get dysfunctional. Be sure to leave a comment on our podcast site. Just search for The Reality Dysfunction on Podbean or like us on our Reality Dysfunction Facebook page. But best of all, share the episode. Until next time. We the people are the ones who gonna have to fight. We used to say, which side are you on? Which side are you on? The truth is we're in so much debt that the only way out is revolution or war. So now the question is, which side are you on? On, 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 on. Which side are you on, boy? Which side are you on, my daughter? Which side are you on, boy? Which side are you on, my daughter? See, before I draw the line, let me welcome you close to all the folks who knew Obama so the people of hopes gave the money to suckers while our community's still poor. Withdrew the troops but started another war. Colonizing, terrorizing, creating the oil crisis so they can make a killer. No food and gas prices. Prisons is filling. They trying to lock up the future. Militarized borders and control of computers. Want a stupid bump of music that ain't healthy for the shortest. Privatizing schools and policemen in the hallways. Can't be dormant. I'm awoken. Rise up. Be ready. Brought the family with us and we hold Riding the fence, riding the fence Too many people be riding the fence Yeah, you say you ready for war, but are you convinced? I'm not convinced If you're a rider, freedom fighter, crowd excited, then let's do this We can make one big united, middle finger to the US Give me the bravest and the truest Fuck the hippest and the coolest We gon' spark this revolution and cross this off our to-do list Put your foot down if you look down on this criminal system Put your book down and get shook down like my niggas in prison Don't be condemning and condoning their actions in one sentence But keep your mind, you decide Is you a patriot or a menace to society? So riot or sit by quietly But don't pull out your flag and try to say you gon' ride with me You flip-flopping like hip-hop, I don't get locked in that trick box Get got like big and pop, shit's got to stop I am the people, not the big, I repeat after Fred So please blow my brains out if I ever forget I'm with the independent thinkers I'm down with the movers and the shakers and the ex-handy drinkers The non-smokers, the health advocates, the non-voters The young bloods in the hood training like soldiers I'm on the side of the tracks with the hood gardens the little child that don't color inside the margins I don't ride the fence, I cultivate my strength Cause if it ain't about power, it don't make sense I've been down with Boogie Down since BDP Some brown pride and black power make RPG An OG told me choose battles wisely In the struggle, don't forget your children and your wife If you don't see me on the podium preaching it Every day I hope my every action is teaching it Cause revolution is a process It's not a speech or a panel Invite all more than you can handle. I'm with workers uprising and the right to unionize. We ain't crossed the border, so you better legalize. I'm with La Peña del Bronx. I'm still with Vitor Toro, cause gentrification is polluting my borough. So bro, never. South Bronx forever. Decolonize the block, make your neighborhood better. I ain't down with the rich, I'm more rich.
Bobby Chief Perez. Don't talk to grand juries or cooperate with feds. I'm with students, doctors, janitors, teachers. We need living wages, but they don't believe us. Monida, Barreto, Spofford, Hunts Point, my point, my hood. I love, we join forces, forming our deck. Taking over buildings, rebel DIs for the children. Politics to sickness, streets express symptoms. Caught up with a quickness, big business pimps them. Scholars play the simpleton, fools play with wisdom. Who will stand and fight back? Who will play the victim? Trials and tribulations, injured generations. Stolen history and outsourced innovation. Battle Tower fell, tribes are at war. The battle story's not represented in the score. The game's fixed, most of the faces and names switch. Credit stolen for all science, religion. Language, technology, philosophy, and with strangers. They paid in hatred for the knowledge of the ancients. Power in words, actions, gun swords. Ain't Panthers, Brown berets, young lords. Pick a side, one sickness, one cure, one love, one blood, one world, but one war.